The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. Well, let me welcome onto the show Liesel Grunewald, Senior Manager, Organizational Ethics at the Ethics Institute and also uh, immediate past president of the Business Ethics Network of Africa. Liesel, good morning to you. Good morning, Cassie, and good morning to all the listeners. Thank you so much for being part of the conversation. I suppose when it comes to setting a context of a corruption in this country, um, everybody's aware of the problem. We all know how big a problem it is. And yesterday we saw yet another report from Corruption Watch that continued to paint this very grim picture and that really shows that the situation on the ground in terms of winning in in waging the war against corruption is simply not changing. In fact, it is getting worse. We have the likes of police officers who are topping the list. And these, these are the very individuals who are entrusted with enforcing law and order in our society and politicians of course would also be part of that list what is the role of ethics in in fighting corruption and how can we begin to apply it in a way that will change um, this quagmire and get us out of this quagmire that we seem to be stuck in Mm. yes that's a very (laughs) difficult question to answer in in terms of you know it becoming practical what one can do but I want to First, um, I actually want to refer back to what uh, one of your uh, listeners said in the WhatsApp message is that um, there's no action uh, being taken. And, uh, and I want to come back to that at some point. But um, when, when we look at um, you know, the traditional fight, fight against corruption, um, there has been so many things that have been put in place. We think of the commissions of inquiry. We think at think of all the laws. I mean, we have such good legislation in the country um, to actually, um, you know, help with the fight against corruption. But um, I think what has happened is that, um, and Trevor Manuel actually said this in 2017, he said that um, the perpetrators of corruption have actually lost their sense of shame. And shame involved an awareness that our actions have actually injured someone else. And um, it's a painful feeling arising from being aware of having done something dishonorable. But people seem not to have this anymore, and we need to get that back. And and to, um, to link on to that then, and how are we going to get ethics back, we have to look at, okay, what is ethics in the first instance? And you can think of ethics in the form of a triangle where um, there's the self, uh, the good, and the other. And there needs to be a balance between those three. And the good refers to our values, where Mm. values are actually convictions. It's not just something that's there. It's the convictions of what is important um, to a person or to society. And there needs to be a balance between that. What is good for the self must also be good for the other. Now, you know, our values forms when they say that it's, uh, it has already formed by this um, age of six, um, and thereafter it gets influenced. Now, values determine our behavior and it determines um, how we make decisions and what decisions we make. But um, our values are influenced, as I've said, by society, by our schools, by our teachers, etc. 
Now, when we look at the society, Cassie, we need to do something about the society. We mm-hmm. always talk about, you know, as people, as apples, the good apples and the bad apples, but apples actually um, get stored in a barrel, which is stored in a warehouse. And that warehouse, that's where we need to change things. Now, our society, and I think it's also mentioned in Corruption Watch report, is that our society, unfortunately, as we know, um, is is very tainted with corruption and and disvalues basically. And um, uh, in in the Corruption Perception Index of Transparency International, um, our country is uh, ranked 69th out of 180. So this means we are the 69th least corrupt country in the world out of 180. Mm. <clears throat> now that should sound you know, good, but of course we living in this country, no it isn't. So that tells us that um, corruption, well, it's it's permeated throughout the country, we know that. But that society influences how we think and what decisions we make. They also talk about collective narcissism or group, (coughs) excuse me, groupthink. And if if the group uh, to whom we belong, let's say Okay, let me not refer to to specific people or or um, fears. <laughs> yeah, it it <laughs> might have unintended consequences. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, let me not do that. Mm. But you know, if if the collective, mm. um, okay, we know narcissism basically is all about myself. You know, what is good for me? Um, and when the collective feels that way, then we get these shamelessness um, and mm-hmm. selfishness, and. Yeah, how are we going to address that? We will have to actually just move back to to the beginning. Lisa, you know, I'm looking at some of the results of this mm-hmm. particular study that was done by Corruption Watch. And, and one of the things that they have said is that out of all the years since they have been doing um, and and recording these incidents of corruption or reports of corruption that are brought to them since 2012, mm. the highest incidents reported has been, you know, during the lockdown. And this is against police officers, uh, but also the healthcare sector, so the policing sector and the healthcare sector. What does that say about our values? What does this say about, you know, the things that we find important? Because the lockdown was also a period where South Africans were perhaps under the most pressure that they've ever been in different phases in their lives, right? Because people were were facing so much loss and anxiety. And these are the institutions that many would have been running to for help. You know, the the healthcare sector was was part of those institutions. And yet these are the very institutions where the scale of corruption seemed to have increased. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. Um, You know, when you... um Corruption is about greed and opportunity um, and, and, and power. So um, when, when people feel that they are entitled to something, it's, it's very often that entitlement and that greed. Then they, uh, the values actually um, go out of the back door. And, I mean, it's sad. It's really sad. We know that. But the values of care and compassion, especially in these two sectors that you've mentioned, 
um, I mean, the police in a position of authority should look after us. We shouldn't be afraid of them. Um, the healthcare workers or the health sector, I mean, lives were lost because of, of this, um, of the corruption. And, and it tells us that we are morally, as a society, morally bankrupt. Um, that's, you know, that's the bottom line. Mm. And what we need, obviously, is the regeneration of the values. Values, we all know that. But the question, as you said, um, or asked is how do we do that? And it, one can say, no, it starts with the family. Mm. Um, you can say it starts with ethical leadership. Uh, but how do you empower the, the families to bring the values, you know, home to their children? If mm. the children live in a society or in a community where doing the wrong thing has just become the norm, um, and then we get back to the, the action that mm. uh, your listener talked about. There's no action. Now, for people, to you need a bit of a extrinsic motivation uh, sometimes to refrain from doing wrong. In other words, if you do wrong, you know that you will be punished. Now, that can happen in a home situation or, you know, one way or the other. Mm. But in society, we now know that nothing happens to you. Um, then why should I refrain uh, from doing wrong if I have the opportunity? And I feel, you know, I actually deserve this. Um, it is part of my narcissistic approach to life. And everyone else get away with it. Why Why can't I do it? Mm. And, and that's where we've, we have a society where, okay, let's look at, at culture. A culture is about um, what we do, what we believe is right in an organization. In, you know, in, in the country, society, in, and an organization. But when action is not taken against wrongdoing, then that wrongdoing becomes the norm. Mm. Then that becomes the culture. We can just look at, at the South African society. I mean, uh, zebra stripes on the road, it means nothing. You know, it's, yeah. <laughs> whereas in Germany, it really means something. Yeah. But yeah, you know, it's just jaywalking left, right, and center because we just don't have... Um, that that we've been uh, how, um, what's the word uh, desensitized. But um, do, but but do you think that the fact that those who are supposed to be you know the the guardians of the law uh, effectively and who are supposed to be ensuring that um, the law is respected and adhered to that they too the fact that they could form part of the most accused becomes pr- a, a problem in terms of why South Africans don't respect the the rule of law. Hmm. Because it becomes a case of, well, you can't tell me because, you know, you're probably even more corrupt than I am. <laughs> Absolutely. No, that's, that's exactly the point. But um, we have to remember, we, we like to stereotype, you know, this thing about all traffic officers, for example, um, is corrupt or takes bribes. But um, we, we shouldn't do that. Um, we should, we have a civil um, responsibility, to actually speak up and speak out and take action um, and not, um, you know, look at the law enforcers who are not enforcing the law because it's not all of them. We just hear the bad news the whole time instead of those heroes out there. And and we need to celebrate them more. And that's, that's you know, something that I always appeal to the media 
is that focus on the good. Um, you know, emphasize more the good than the bad because what we hear influences, and I'm not talking to you specifically, Kathy, <laughs> just in general, is what we hear influences how we think and it influences our opinions. So when we hear the whole time that the, um, the law enforces are bad, corrupt, etc., that, that creates our um, image of them, which then impacts our behavior. And, uh, you know, if we can just focus on the good ones as well, that will also, you know, influence behavior, at least amongst those people who are good. Um, when you look at the country, it's, it's uh, if we have two hands, then um, three fingers are the corrupt ones and the other seven, um, you know, are good people. Mm. And, um, and, and they, and, and that's, uh, you know, that's one of my, um, issues that I also always say that, you know, we should be ethical citizens because through our actions, we can influence other people. And, and we have a civic duty, actually. Um, and our civic duty refers to our ethical obligations mm. and standards of behavior that forms the basis of um, the requirements of ethical citizenship. Okay, so uh, civic duty refers to the moral must, um, those things that we must do, such as paying taxes, complying with the law, and so on. But we also have civic virtues, and that is what we put, have to put uh, to the front. And many people have done so already, mm-hmm. especially under the pan- pandemic. We've seen how, actually, it, it, it didn't just bring out the worst in people. It also uh, brought out a lot of good, you know, people who made food parcels because the food parcels have been stolen, <laughs> those kind of things, mm, uh, mm. people helping each other. And, um, and and those are the civic virtues where uh, it's, it's something that's intrinsically motivated. We have to focus again on becoming intrinsically motivated by our own values and virtues of compassion and care. Um, and, uh, you know, we have our leaders. Oh, we so often talk about ethical leadership because what we see, we do. And um, if again, if we see no action is taken, if we see uh, the leadership make a lot of promises and corruption is now going to be rooted out, and there's yet another commission and mm. yet another task team, but we never hear anything. Um, you know, what the STARS team has accomplished. Um, I mean, the Zonda Commission has brought out so much information, um, but we all wonder if something actually going to happen. And uh, uh, our Zonda Commission has also again brought out people who have displayed moral courage. And that's another thing that we need to do as, as citizens. We have to show that moral courage. Just this week, Ethel Williams spoke about his ordeal and everything that he, he knows about Bain and SARS, for example. Sure. Last week it was uh, Bianca Goodson about McKinsey, etc. And before that was Suzanne, Suzanne Daniels about ESCOM. These people have uh, had the moral courage to actually do, um, or, uh, to speak out because it was. Um, whatever they saw was against their values, against sure, their principles. Sure. But the thing, Kathy, is that um, speaking out, unfortunately, comes with a lot of 
consequences. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Liesl, and we've heard that. Yes. Liesl, unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there for this morning. Liesl Groenewald, uh, she is an organizational ethics senior manager, senior manager rather, at the Ethics Institute. It's just after 10.30. Utsile Sako has your latest news headlines.